Tell me about your best blow up as a coach. When I say best, I mean most memorable. Yeah. I think the first couple of years, I had a bunch of blow ups uh, that were fake because I had no clue what I was doing at all. So it was just a bunch of yelling. Right. Um, and I'm okay to admit that right now. Um, I think probably the most recent one would have been, uh, I'm not going to name the school, but we were in, I think, the third round of the playoffs. And um, I call from the field. And I know there was a recent Twitter post about uh, on the Hog football chat last night. Hey, shout out Coach Schiffman. Yeah, Herb Hand was on there too. Okay. Uh, yeah, big deal. And so anyway, um, about, you know, decall from the field, decall from the box, and I think it's all about are you type A, are you type B type of person? You know, where do you call better? For me, I prefer to be on the field. I'm more of a field type of play caller. But when you have that, you got to have somebody in the box that you trust. Um, and so anyway, you know, we're going in the first half, and, and I'm big about what's uncovered. Like, that's the first thing every single play is, you know, uncovered, man coverage. That should always be, you know, communicated. Um, and wasn't tons of uncovered in the first half. And I always have somebody up top that's always drawing, you know, like two by two, three by one, you know, charts and whatnot. Anyway, um, we end up after the game, and people are going to say, well, if you're in the box, you could see that. I'm like, well, we're going so fast that, I, tr- I kind of I have to have those eyes to really tell me who's uncovered. So anyway, we end up looking back and you know we're we're looking in the iPad and um, so now everybody knows exactly yeah. what school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because in Texas you can't do that. <laughs> and just about every play, both people, at least one, were completely uncovered. Linebacker five yards inside, safety about ten yards off the ball, not skying down. Hate. To see it. And in my mind, I'm like, man, if we're not getting true uncovered over to the field, then these plays should be working. I don't know how they're making the, the tackle in the box there. Look in the iPad, and it's the most uncovered I've ever seen in my entire life. And I just freaking lost it. How do you not know what uncovered is? If that guy can run a 4-4, and that safety's a 4-7, and that backer's a 5-flat, which they are, and they're both 10 yards away, that's uncovered. That's the most uncovered you could ever be in uncovered. And, I mean, there were some other, like, choice words that were said. But it was, it was a little more colorful than the example you're giving us yeah, now. Because, yeah, because then we come back out in the second half and just... Throw five-yard hitches and score 60 points. Yeah, yeah. Quarterback <laughs> throws, like, for 400 yards, and his first pass was, like, eight yards. Love to see it. Yeah. What about you? So, the, the most memorable right now actually just happened. Um... So we can do skills and drills a couple days a week, like for a a certain amount of time, like throughout a week, summer conditioning and whatnot. I know y'all can too at McKinney. Um, But we just hired a new coach. Um, And his stepson was kind of contemplating whether or not he was going to stay at the school he was going to or if he wanted to come uh, to Salina. Uh, And he'd come to like one or two workouts and he'd ask his stepdad, um, you know, how are the coaches like? How do they interact? Because he's from a bigger school, and so mm-hmm. the interactions, coaches and players, are a little more aggressive. Yep. And um, he was like, "Oh, they're great, super positive. Never really get on kids like that. Um, you're gonna really like them, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Next day, or no, this was on the drive to workouts that day, and it's his first day of like skills and drills day, and I lose it on a younger kid. Um, we're doing offensive stuff and. You know, he's being lackadaisical and 
you know, busted plays, and he had kind of that was a trend that had carried through the entire offensive practice. And I finally just like spiked the pin, like you are killing me. <laughs> like you're wasting everybody's time out of here you don't know what to do but you want to lollygag up to the line again you know a little more a little more energetic and colorful but yeah, yeah. Um, so coach prescott comes up to me afterwards he said yeah you know spent um spent the whole hour drive in this morning talking about how <laughs> positive and energetic and relatable the coaches were and how none of them really get on kids heads like that and really yell and very tony dungy Right, and uh, he goes, and then we're about 10 minutes into practice, and I hear the offensive coordinator uh, blow a gasket and just start freaking out. He goes, so this is going to be a fun ride home where my stepson calls me a liar the whole way. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> hate to see it. That's just terrible timing. Yeah, it was, it was like the video that you are talking about with uh, Will Muschamp. Oh, my gosh, which might be one of my – that's like goals to me. Because the smoothness, oh of, my gosh, of his he walks writing. in, at, he walks in at halftime and just throws that personnel up there, that yeah. formation on the field, and he's <laughs> got to be here. Buck shoot this gap corner here, Sam deep. Mike's got to fill, and just not only is it done in like four and a half seconds, but every circle, which I I'm left-handed, which is the only excuse I have left. Mm. Every circle is perfect. My handwriting's terrible because yeah. I'm left-handed. Yeah. Every circle is perfect. They're all perfectly aligned. It's a perfect offensive set. Yeah. You know, it's drawn upside down because he's the DC. Right. But it was like calligraphy. Just, yeah. Just, just, and it's then beautiful. he just punches the board. Do your job. Yeah. And everybody's like, <laughs> yes, sir. I'm pretty sure, you know, that, that video's 12 years old-ish. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they go out and like absolutely dominate. Really? He, he just, he throws up. It's like a wing set. And he just throws it up, and he's like, they're running outside G of power to this side, and we call Buck, shoot, 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 just do your job. And everybody's like, yes. And <laughs> just go out and dominate. <laughs> you're like, that's just the ultimate goals. A, to be that confident in what you're seeing. Yep. You know, like you start to break it down like it's a play, like we work for ESPN. Be yep. that confident in what you're seeing. Obviously, he's coming straight from communicating with the rest of the defensive staff. Yep. Hey, this is the play that's killing us in the run game. How do we stop it? Well, when we call this, we should stop it. Every, yep. Everybody just be gap sound and we'll be fine, right? Right. You have that communication. And then to go stand in front of all those dudes and draw a perfect set, like yep. that's a big deal for me. One day before I retire, I'm going to draw an offensive set at halftime and be like, we did it, boys. I'm here. <laughs> we, I'm here. We, we did it. I can put the marker up. Man, I, th I think that's something you actually kind of have to drill. Oh, 100%. I, I, mean, I, mean, I know going on a tangent, but like um, I remember at Tarleton, we had a receiver – and you're going to know who it is that we almost cut, and then he ended up being one of the best receivers Tarleton ever had. But um, our OC was, you know, basically said, TK, you know, me, like student assistant, nobody. Hey, he, you know, basically you're his last chance. If he can't figure out the playbook, you know, after you, he's done. And so we ended up basically spending every day uh, pre-practice, post-practice in the locker room. I would have him, like, turn around, you know, not facing the whiteboard. I would have the plays drawn up, um, you know, or just you know, basically the X's and O's, the play title, and then he would have to turn around and quickly, boom, go up there and draw it and try to force him to quickly do it versus like taking his time because it, it is different. I've had to like actually practice. Is this going a really fast game winning touchdown catch against WT? It is. Ah, okay. Shout out Nardi. Yeah. Yeah. What up, Nardi? Yeah. Um, Leonard Myers. Which, again, let's just build on the tangents. Might be. The most exciting game I was ever a part of. 
I would, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, and that's saying agree. something because, you know, yeah, 45, 38, 2011 in Waco against OU. That was a pretty fun game. Yeah. It's next level, but it wasn't a 24 point comeback in one quarter. Right. And like, I don't know. In Lone Star Conference, too. Like, yeah. That's a big conference for, for D2, especially for sure. at that time. For sure. I mean, you think of there's three schools that were in that conference that are now Division One. Yeah, ACU. Yeah, being one of them. Tarleton. And then I feel like there's one more. Incarnate Word? Yes. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if I ever told you this, but I had some college buddies that came into town that weekend. They were like, ah, oh, Tarleton. They had some friends from high school that had gone there, and they'd heard about Stephenville. Come cetera, check out this little game. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, but it, I think it was like homecoming or something. So it was like going to be a decent crowd or whatever. Um, they left. Oh, yeah. They left uh, midway through the third quarter, I think. And they were all staying at you know the pool house that I lived in or whatnot. Yeah. Come back. They're swimming. You know, I had set up the my TV like out on patios. They're like watching primetime ABC football in the pool, whatever. Yeah. Come back. They're like, hey, great game. I was like, I know, right? <laughs> right. It was awesome. They're like, what are you talking about? And I go, oh, my God. You left, didn't you? They're like, of course we left. Y'all were down three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. It's like, well, we weren't at the end of it. Ugh. They're like, you got to be kidding me. I said, yeah, bro. I said, I mean, because a lot of thing, a lot of really bad things happened, like series of unfortunate events first half, yeah. but yeah. then flip it to the fourth quarter and things just kind of started to fall in place. But yeah. that was, I mean, that game kind of was the perfect summation of that season. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Talk about we started the season three and zero, and we're like negative twelve in the turnover margin. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, back. but a lot of tangents there. But that's. Sure. That was probably my best or most mem- recent memorable blow up. I'm sure there'll be a really stupid one this fall. And then also, you know, hopefully one day I can approach a whiteboard like Will Muschamp. Yeah. There's <laughs> always one blow up every single year. So, you know, when, when it happens, who knows? 100%. Um, how so, about the Elite 11? Yeah. Just finished. Cade Klubnik. Clemson, right? Committed yes. Cl- yeah. Committed to Clemson. Yeah. And there were. Four Texas high school quarterbacks. And are they still taking 12 to that? There's 12 with one MVP. Okay. So you have the MVP yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you have yeah, 11? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you wouldn't want to uh-huh. put the MVP one. I mean, correct. Then elite 10. Right. But but more elite. Right. MVP. The elite of the elite. Yeah. Um, so of the 12, 33% of them are from the state of Texas. Yeah. You know, because I, I heard Spencer Rattler say a couple years ago how like Arizona was becoming the, the hotbed for. Quarterback talent, hey, close. I mean, yeah, you have one year, and it's like, oh, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. the new reigning king. Uh, but anyway, you're a quarterback guy. So talk about your perception of not just this year or what you know of this year, but like the storyline of the Elite 11. That's deep. That's really deep. Um, I mean, I think the Elite 11 is – I mean, it's there's no question it's king, you know, when it comes to the ultimate quarterback fraternity. I mean, if you're if you're a quarterback, that's what you want to be a part of. Um, and I think for people that don't know where they came from, because it was a true camp at one point, um, and before 
you know, Coach Adilfer and, and, and Brian, um, uh, Brian Stump took over, it wasn't much at all. It was literally just like a t-shirt camp. And then when, and they, they kind of made it into what he wanted to be a cult, you know, and then a community and then basically this worldwide like fraternity where it's like, man, if I'm a quarterback, I, I need to be a part of that. Um, so, I mean, I think it's what, what they've done is incredible. For sure. I mean, I think that you look at I think from that standpoint, when you when you say like, hey, we're taking this thing over. Here's our goal long term. I'd say mission accomplished for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know guy. I know guys that like or I've seen kids that get freaking stoked just to get invited to a regional. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just to be on the field with an opportunity to make the finals, not even to make it, but just have the opportunity. You know, that's yeah. that's the kind of validation that a kid that's maybe a G5 FCS kid, sure. that's the kind of validation that they're looking for. Yep. Like, hey, I need to continue to work every day because I'm right here. Yeah. I'm on the I'm on the edge. I just got to do what it takes to push me over. Yeah. I think I think the one thing that I saw a lot of just in the last 2 years with coach Dilfer um in regards of Elite 11, which was frustrating, was how many people are trying to like beat the Elite 11, overtake the Elite 11. And I think what was pretty impressive, um, this is just my perspective, but for me to be able to see all the shots that were taken at Trent, um, and, then, and then Joey Roberts as well, you know, who's, you know, right there with him. I mean, it's, it's Trent, Brian, and Joey. Um, they would always respond like, I mean, this is this is good because at the end of the day, you can try to take us over all you want. The whole goal that we're trying to do is just make kids better, and like they stayed true to that path. And I thought that was always pretty. You know, I respected that. I thought that was always really um, admirable. Just to you know, kind of be at the top of the mountain and continue to adapt because if you don't, you're going to die. Hundred percent. I mean, yeah. that's like that Chad Johnson quote. Well, you know, those are easy to rattle off, but yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, I saw something he said, you know, love me or hate me. Either way, I'm still on your mind. Mm-hmm. So yep. um, I think that's kind of the, as long as you stay true to your intentions, you know, who cares? If if they're aiming at you, it means you're doing something right. Uh, absolutely. What about where it is now? So we talked about where it came from. Yeah. And the ability to accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. Where, where's it at now and what's the future? Um. I mean, when it comes to the future, I feel like I don't have the credibility to, to truly speak on it just because I don't, you know, I'm not really boots on the ground with the company. For you sure. Know, as far as knowing, you know, where they're going to go with it, I'm sure knowing that it's Trent, it's Brian, it's Joey, it's going to be something great. Um, they're, they're always adapting and, and finding ways to kind of, you know, create a new path and make sure that it's it's one that's going to, you know, be sustainable and have longevity. But um, I think where it's currently at, I mean, I think people continue to try to say, oh, well, the Elite 11 is dying. Uh, it's not what it used to be. Well, I mean, it's there also didn't used to be this many camps, college camps. I mean, there, there's so much more going on. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's kind of what you just said. You say Elite 11, people still know what that is. They still know that it is the, the best of the best. And so um, as far as where they're at now, they're still the best. People still want to, if you're a quarterback, they know they want to be like, I want to be the MVP. Like I want to get invited to the finals, um, and so like I said, I think they're I think they'll end up adapting and, and changing just as they do every single year. But the I think what people need to understand is the reason why they have made it to the top and they're still on top is because of how they created. Like they built that whole house like on on stone, 
I mean, it is solid um, in their foundation and what they do. And, and there's not much to change. Uh, and if, I think if there was to change, it would, it would simply be just to change it. You know, um, every kid that goes there has the experience of lifetime. Um, they get better mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, and I think you, you can adapt those things within those realms. But besides that, um, you know, there's not much more needs to be changed. Is there, this is a loaded question, and I'm going to try and tread lightly, um, but is there wasted movement there? Here's what I mean. What do you mean? How, list how many of those. Here, yeah, yeah, get ready. Get ready. Yeah. Uh, ballpark, how many of those 12 quarterbacks played play or are going into their senior year will play in an under center offense? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I mean, that's, that's going to change every year just because of, you know, I mean, th- those kids that are obviously getting recruited and where they're going to. Right. But I mean, what's your question? We know, I know through basically through our friendship and, and you know, more directly Trent is a big pro style. Oh yeah. You've talked about the home Depot offense, have answers. Yep. I'm seeing stuff of club Nick Evers, mm-hmm. all these guys out there. Play action, seven step drop, right? Eighteen yard comeback, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. When are they going to use it? Um, in six, seven years? Sure. I mean, I, I think, I think there's two things that, that come about with that. A, if they don't know it, they are now learning it for the future, um, so they're gaining those tools. But I think, the, I think the the more important thing that they gain that people neglect. It's like, well, never going to be under center. Why are they doing that? I think when it comes, and this is way more in depth, but the discipline that comes with being under center from a footwork perspective and fundamental perspective is drastically different than going from shotgun. You are forced to be, um, a good example, if you're under center, you are forced, if you got to do a drop and it's some type of like, you know, trap play action, uh, draw play action, you have some type of guard pulling, you are forced to get out of there quickly, meaning you have to burst out from center, not reach from the center with your feet. Uh, so you're forced to have way more discipline. You're forced to have way more speed. But when it comes to gaining speed, you better go as fast as you can, not as fast as you can't. And so I think it forces these kids to be way more disciplined just within footwork. And then and as you know, when it comes to throw motion and then you know deliverance of the football, if you can have a good foundation when it comes to the drop and your footwork, everything else normally will end up being you know kind of um, reflecting that. And so, I think it helps just in that regard. No disrespect to Graham Harrell, but like it's very easy to kind of have that you know three step drop, back pedal. You don't have to have tons of discipline with that with your footwork. Um, and so, I think it just exposes it to them and, and makes those kids you know not get too lazy with the footwork. Yeah, I think that's the biggest, like I said, it was a loaded question. I think it exposes their coachability. Hey, this is something that you've never done. You're probably not going to do for another six years, but you got to do it right now. Are you, are you willing to sit here, take the coaching, be disciplined enough to understand the mechanics of it, and then apply it to the best of your ability? Can't yep. remember the quarterback's name. I'm pretty sure who was the UCLA kid drafted by Arizona and got – shipped off whenever they drafted Kyler. Josh Rosen. Pretty sure it was Josh Rosen. And mm-hmm. might be wrong, but 
went to the opening slash Elite 11. Yeah. And yep. was completing balls, right? Which is, hey, cool, complete right. the ball. Complete opposite of what he was being told. And rumor is a comment was made, you know, I don't know why they're freaking out. I know it's open, so I'm just throwing it. Okay, but you're playing seven on seven against a bunch of other high school kids. Yeah. You're about to not be doing that in a year. So, um, and I would hope that Josh Rosen grew and matured from that point as a senior right. in high school. But yeah. I think that's the direct correlation to the drill work and the environment that they're put in. Get your butt under center, play action, turn your blind eye, seven yep. step drop, stick your foot in the ground, throw this ball at this spot over this target, back of the end zone. I saw a touch ball by Clubnick on yeah. Twitter that was, you know, all of that stuff may not be directly correlated when you get back to your hometown today, but your ability to be in an uncomfortable environment and be coachable to the best of your ability, I think has to be part of the big grading, ranking, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call that process. Yeah. So, but, but even in recruiting too, I, I don't think people realize how many coaches, college coaches, call Coach Dilfer, Brian, Joey, just for that. You know, just hey, how did he respond? You know, what, what it was different. He's never done it before. Was he able to? Sure, it was different and it was hard, and he couldn't get it within a day. But you know, did it get better day two? Did it get better day three? You know, what did you see from the kid? And it's because I think they understand that. The information they're given, you know, these kids, it's it's legit information. Um, it's not armchair quarterback lessons, and so, um, yeah, I mean, great point. Just in regards of its coachability, a lot of what they do is aimed to be different because they do want to see. Basically, the whole motto of the Elite Eleven, especially uh, specifically Trent, how do you react whenever you're uncomfortable? because greatness is on the other side of that. And so um, if, you're, if you're great when you're comfortable, well, when you got, you know, Indomitian Sue coming at you, things aren't very comfortable then, <laughs> you know? And so how, how are you going to respond then? Um, and do you have the, um, the edge, the, the mental clarity adjustments to be able to get comfortable with that? And if you don't, um, then you're just, a, you're just a good, you know, high school quarterback you're just a guy you're, you're just a guy for sure and i think that that's the uh um like you said you know the uncomfortable being uncomfortable type mentality that was one thing coach cause when we were at baylor and now that he's at smu it's i i try and go down there like once a summer and just shadow see mm. the off-season program a lot you know obviously we're trying to learn something but right. the other part of it is i like to see how much it's changed and the part that's changed from my perception is some fine-tuning in the weight program. Gotcha. But the expectation, the communication, the standard is the standard. Yeah. And a big, a huge part of that is don't freak out. DFO. We're just going to yeah. constantly throw things at you randomly through in the middle of a workout what you expect a normal wednesday to look like is going to get flipped you know all yep. of those type of things and it's all about creating manufacturing adversity in these situations yep so you respond appropriately in real adversity on fridays or saturdays yeah i think if you're confident in your system in which you do you won't freak out 
Um, I'm going to compare this to what I experienced yesterday. So for those of you who don't know, have a um, three-month-old baby now. The wife finally got moved in last week. Um, and so that being said, yesterday there was a, a moment in time for about um, two hours there where she was gone. And it was just me and baby. And baby's not comfortable with me. And baby ends up, you know, I look and see a little blue line on the on the pampers, which yeah. means, oh, it used to be yellow. <laughs> I think I need to change the diaper. So I, I, you know, take her to the bedroom and I could feel myself like freaking out, like try, sure. trying to show this fake, like, For hey, sure. it's going to be okay. Please don't freak out. Right. And I was like, well, dang, like if she sees me freaking out, she's probably going to freak out. 100%. It's the same thing with the kids. Like just if you know what you're doing, it is okay to have those moments where it's like, well, you know, they got us here, but I have that answer because you're confident like in your foundation and in your system. And if you're not, when those times do come up, you will freak out and those kids will see it and they'll see that you don't have confidence in yourself. For sure. Speaking of confidence in yourself, and perceiving it or showing it in the right way to your program, how's the NIL ruling going to change? Well, yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, just, you know, to articulate that for those that don't understand kind of what's going on. So name, image, likeness, Mm -hmm. basically the amateurism rule of the NCAA is dead, uh, which said for a long time that players can't make money off of their name, image, likeness, but also it said that it, it stifled a lot of guys from having jobs. And the reason was, um, there's there's been a couple, I say cases, NCAA rulings, um, some of them legitimate, some of them not. The Rhett Beaumar case at OU, hey, come stand at our... Totally car- forgot about that guy. Uh, come st- Him wow. and an O-lineman, come stand at our car dealership for an hour and we'll pay mm-hmm. you five grand, right? Something, yep. I, those are, I'm paraphrasing, those aren't the exact details, but it was along those lines. Sure. Um, there was... A receiver from Texas borrowed a car, like from a just a friend. He said, "We I don't know the guy's name, but a friend, a school, a student." And they said it was impermissible benefits. He got suspended for a game. Um, there was a basketball player that um, during the NCAA tournament uh, a few years ago had dinner with an agent. Dinner paid. NCAA found out. Uh, suspended him until he donated $40 to charity because that was the valued price of the dinner. Little stuff like that. So that's yep. dead. If if it's basically what it did was it, limit, it limited guys who are living off of a set stipend check mm-hmm. uh, from being able to supplement their income in ways that would be deemed legal and possible based off of their current situation as a student athlete, college mm-hmm. football player, whatever. Um, a, lot of, a lot of programs told guys you can't have a job. Um, because it just saves them headaches and fear and things of that nature. Sure. You get a job as a server, right? Working at a restaurant. Somebody comes in, and he's like, "Oh, that's Tommy Smith, quarterback," and they leave you a four hundred dollar tip. You know, NCAA could say that's in permissible benefits. Sure. So, um, they that rule's dead. Guys can make money off of their name, image, likeness. Uh, Derek King from yeah, the quarterback from Houston transferred to Miami. The the minute that they approved it and said july 1st like 8 a.m july 1st he signed uh he inked a branding deal uh with a moving company that's gonna net him it was like a five-figure signing bonus gonna yep. net him like 20 grand yeah you know um 
and I've seen you know Barstool's been signing guys left and right. Yeah, um, busting with the boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then um, uh, I just saw a Division three tennis player signed um, a branding deal. Wow. So my question is, is that going to ha- not is when and how is that going to affect high school football? Because it's going to high school football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think I think when you look at the the coaches like a Lincoln Riley, um, I know things were going around about Dabo and a quote that he had. had yeah, um, when's he know. quitting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, and even like your Art Browles, like. And you you kind of mentioned cause and like how the foundation didn't change, but he's just tweaking things. I think what makes those coaches great is they understand the adapt or die mentality and, and the reality of that. And so I think there can be coaches that get upset about it and say, well, it's going to ruin college football, whatever. Okay, don't do anything about it and see what happens to your program. Because the other places that are going to do something about it and then embrace it in the right way are going to out-recruit you. 100%. Um, now, that being said, anytime there is a change, there's always a way that it can eventually get better. You know, you go from bowl games to, you know, a four-team playoff. Okay, well, well, the four-team playoff is better than what it originally had, but it can still get better. Um, and it is. Yeah, Because it expanded. Exactly, right. And so it's, you know, anytime you make that change, it's there's going to be people saying, well, you know, there's this issue. Well, yeah, I mean, you're... It's very hard to try to uncover every single issue before you, you know, have something new. Um, but, I mean, so will there be issues? Absolutely. When it comes to high school kids, it goes back to my point of, well, I think a lot of it comes down to which college program will embrace it um, the best and the right way to where it won't potentially ruin them. 100%. And I think that the Alex Kirby coach on Twitter. I don't know him personally. Um, honestly, kind of summarized it best when this decision was made. Yeah. Um, somebody, he responded to a tweet saying, you know, this is going to ruin blah, blah. He said, if college football can survive Joe Paterno's sand and Sandusky's Penn state situation, it can survive kids making some money. Sure. You know? Um, and that's not a knock on Penn state. That's the harsh reality of it. There's enough people that love watching college football and there's enough people that play good college football, they will adapt and those that don't will be flushed out the system and we'll see some turnover. Fact of the matter is the way that it changes the high school game, kids don't have to worry about losing their eligibility, right? They don't have to worry about, they can do things to help supplement their family, et cetera, et cetera. If you're going to take the time, rivals, or fill in any other recruiting service, Under Armour signing All-Americans, Army All-American Bull signing All-Americans, if you're going to take the time to evaluate and deem these kids the best, if they've done enough on the field in their work ethic and in their play to earn that title, who is the governing body to say, okay, we're going to tell you you're really, really good, but you can't monetize that at all? Right. No. If you're going to tell me that I'm an Under Armour All-American then I'm going to go to the local deli shop and say, hey, let's do something, take some pictures. I'll wear my Under Armour All-American gear, et cetera, et cetera. That's not every other entity of life in America can benefit off of 
those opportunities from a capitalistic standpoint except for the for college athletes until July 1st. Right. So the smart ones there's there's different the the smart individuals, the smart players are going to actively build and that's not some of you guys need to understand. That's not hey, my DMs are open, let's ink a deal. No. You have to create a profile that makes yourself valuable. Mm-hmm. You have to say, this is what I can bring. This is why I'm notable. This is why our relationship will be beneficial for you and for me. You have to create that, and then you it's, it's marketing, right? This yep. is what marketing agencies do. They, yeah. have, they set meetings, and they say, here's what our agency can bring to you. You're an agency of one. So yep. build your brand that way. It's not just about having a bunch of followers or getting a bunch of views on YouTube or getting a bunch of likes on TikTok. It's not about that. Give me a tangible asset and how it's beneficial to the company. Mm -hmm. Be able to share that, be able to talk through it, and that's how you build your brand. That's how you ink those deals. Second part of that, you'll be a good high school coach, help guys. Sure. Create a class. Talk to your school. Create a class on how to do that. Yeah. Business ethics. <laughs> right? <laughs> you want to be a good college recruiter? Build a roster of 100% branded. Yeah. Somehow, some way. Set a percentage goal. Go build it. Yes. If you play for Alabama and you're the quarterback, you're going to get a deal. Duh. Yeah. You're the long snapper. You're the backup punter. Mm-hmm. You're a walk-on. You're on the roster for the Crimson Tide. Your head coach is Nick Saban. Be the recruiting director that helps set meetings, train kids on how to do that. You think that $250 a month wouldn't change the life of a walk-on? Right. Uh, personal experience, I could tell you I'd feel like a millionaire. Sure. But the, the old adage that you say on a regular basis, adapt or die. You yep. want to be good at this? You want to you want to sit around and say this is dumb, we shouldn't do this, or do you want to begin to actively get in front of it and use it to your advantage? Find a way to build a roster. If I'm a college coach, find a way to build a roster of 100% branded. Yeah. And it starts in the hometowns and it starts with creating nonprofits. It starts with all of that stuff. You can't do it directly, but you can either partner with these new branding companies that are started mm-hmm. or you can just educate the kids on how to do it themselves. There's two avenues. Both of them are beneficial for the kid and the program. Yeah. Then the flip side of that is be smart. Don't go out there and take a bunch of pictures for a bunch of T-shirts and lunch coupons. Yeah, people are always going to kind of assume that the worst is going to happen when it comes to this type of stuff. Uh, And so there are going to be, you know, there's going to be kids, student athletes that, you know, go the distance and for the inch that they were given they they took the mile you know what i mean and i don't want to say screwed up for everybody but they're going to learn a lesson from that but there's also going to be great things that come from it like you kind of alluded to it already like there's probably going to be many ways that um you know Garrett king or whoever can end up finding a way to that money help other teammates the program whatever to where now like Maybe the kid that's not getting anything, now he gets something, you know, and maybe it's an equipment return or whatever it may be. Uh, you don't play sports, it's fine. There's a brand new job called director of NIL. 
And so it's like, it's, it's only going to, there's pros and cons to everything. Um, and, and you can sit there and be the, uh, the, you know, the, the old school and no issues against wing T or triple I guy, you know, but back in the 1930s, like, well, we're not going to throw the football. Uh, if we're going to run the ball forever. Well, adapt or die. It changed, even, get left in the dust, or, or change. Even Liberty Hill throws the football. They, they do, maybe three <laughs> times a game. But, yeah, so, I mean, at the end of the day, it's embrace it, and you can sit there and just get mad while everybody else moves on and finds, you know, finds the best way to always have the glasses half full. Um, or you, you can not, and it's always half empty, and be mad about it, and then, you know, watch your team be stagnant and everybody else take off. So, you know. At the end of the day, College football is a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. And you're talking about drops in the bucket. Very, very small drops in the bucket that is going to be redistributed to the players instead yeah. of people who are already building even more wealth off of this giant machine. Yeah. And if you, A, have a problem with that, that's something you got to look inside yourself. Yeah, get over yourself. B, can't find a way to do it. You're not trying hard enough. And C, if you're not willing to fully embrace it and adapt your program to it, it will adversely affect you. Maybe not this year, mm -hmm. but in year two, three, four, and so on. And I think you're going to see a lot of coaches approach this in a couple different ways mm -hmm. and it's going to tell you what the future from a brand and program standpoint if there's a changing of the guard or not sure absolutely i mean it's you know and just to kind of finalize the whole thing it just baffles me that there's people out there tons of people out there that are still in the belief that well you know everybody else can benefit and make money off of you know this kid's name this man's name, except for the actual man. Why? Because he's walking into a classroom every day and, and you know, still getting his education. That's why? It's, it's unbelievable. So uh, good for everybody out there that's able to capitalize on it. Good for NCAA. Um, again, there's going to be issues, but I think it's for the better. <laughs>